Welcome to Veterinary Vertex, a podcast of the AVMA Journals. I'm Editor-in-Chief Dr. Lisa Fortier, and I'm joined by Associate Editor Dr. Sarah Wright. We're bringing you a special episode with our guests, Drs. Jane Shaw, Natasha Jank, and Jason Coe. Natasha and Jason and Jane, we are so excited to speak with you today. Jane is a professor of veterinary communications at Colorado State University College of Veterinary Medicine and Biomedical Sciences. Natasha is a fellow in the MITAX Elevate postdoctoral training program at the Ontario Veterinary College. And Jason is a professor in the Department of Population Medicine at the Ontario Veterinary College. In this episode, we're going to talk about their JAPA manuscript, Veterinary Technicians Contribute to Shared Decision-Making During Companion Animal Veterinary Appointments. Thank you all so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having us. All right, let's dive right in. So communication is an essential part of veterinary medicine. Natasha, what new information can our readers learn from your manuscripts to better serve their patients and their clients? Yes, thanks for that question, Sarah. I think to start, I'll share that within this study, we examined communication between veterinary professionals and their clients when making shared decisions about their pet's health care. So this would entail decisions where more than one option was available for the client to choose from. And the client's preferences, values, or beliefs were taken into consideration when deciding which option would be most suitable or feasible for that client. In this study, we included both veterinarians and veterinary technicians, and were able to compare the level of client involvement in their pet's healthcare decisions based on who was communicating with them. I think the big takeaway from this study is that clients were more involved in their pet's healthcare decisions when both the veterinary technician and the veterinarian communicated with them about a decision regarding their pet's health. So fascinating. I actually recently took my own cat into the vet and it's always different, you know, putting yourself in the client's shoes. But after reading your manuscript, I definitely was more cognizant too of my communication with the veterinarian and the veterinary technician as well and deciding what to do for her care. So thank you so much. Jason, what are common misconceptions about communication? Yeah, well, first, thank you, Sarah and Lisa, for join, or inviting us to join you in this podcast. I think when I think about misconceptions around communication, two things pop to mind. The first is that misconception around communication being a soft skill with little evidence behind it. I think Jane, Natasha, and I would all argue that communication is a hard skill with considerable science behind it, with over 40 years of research in human medicine that we can leverage, and now 20 or more years in veterinary medicine that we've really built an evidence base behind it. It's one of the reasons I'm really excited about the paper we're talking about today, because it is, to my knowledge, the first paper where we've gone really beyond veterinary client communication to look at more at how the team communicates with the client and the impacts that that can have. The second misconception that I'd want to identify is the one around time. And so Natasha, Jane, and I often hear the comments that shared decision-making, which I or lump in with relationship-centered veterinary care, which is engaging your client in the interaction and partnering with them. Oftentimes we hear that it all sounds great, yet it takes too much time to be practical. And yet very early in Jane's work, she did a study looking at patterns of communication where she identified that when a relationship-centered 
approach was taken in the interactions, it took significantly less time than a veterinarian-centered approach, an approach where we really just tell the client what we feel that they need to hear. And so I think to really take the work that we're talking about today in relation to this publication and other work that Natasha and Jane and I have done, it really is about getting past some of these misconceptions and really embracing the opportunities that communication provides us, regardless of what our role might be in veterinary practice. So those are a couple, I think, of important misconceptions we need to tackle. Thank you very much. So now that we know how important communication is, Jane, what opportunities do you see for veterinary professionals to capitalize on their communication training? I think there's still a lot of opportunities. As much as we've done a lot of work in this area, I think there's a lot of room for growth. Um, We kind of have two populations of veterinarians out there in practice right now. Many more um, in the younger generations who've actually been trained through vet school um, as part of their communication training as part of their education. And then I think we have another population of veterinarians who never received this training. I'll put myself in that category. I never had this training when I was in vet school. Lisa's raising her hand as well. And uh, you know, we learned it the hard way. I call it the slip and fall school of uh, communication training. And so um, either category, whichever category you fall into, whether you had training or you didn't have training, I think the key message is to invest in your communication development. The other two other key points, one is there is no ceiling to this work. And so I'll just speak for myself personally. This is a skill that even though I spend my day breathing communication day in and day out, I still have to work on it and I still have to focus on it and I'm constantly bringing it to the next level. So even if you have base training, there's still work to maintain and sharpen what will, you know, using one of Stephen Covey's phrases, sharpen the saw. And then the third thing is that, um, you know, we, we we're talking about veterinarians here, but there's so many other critical roles, which we talked about, which is the technician's role in enhancing shared decision-making, but there's also client service coordinators and veterinary assistants and practice managers there's a whole village that takes care of clients. And so not just investing in the veterinary veterinarian skills, but right, the whole team skills and being able to take those skills back to each individual in the practice. Yeah, Jane, that's so true. Uh, You know, it's uh, the veterinarians, just the beginning of it for me as an equine surgeon, it's the barn staff. You know, they, the clients want to look past the veterinarian and over the shoulder and get a visual or a verbal thumbs up. That's the right thing. You know, in the front office, the whole billing, every every person of the team is really important. So thank you for sharing that. It's a, This is also really translational, right? You know, you go to the human doctor and you want to know what the PA says or the ultrasound technologist, whoever, you know, and, and so it, it does bleed into the whole team. And Jason, I would say that Every one of those misconceptions I had as well. <laughs> I mean, I'm in the old person school of we weren't taught how to communicate. It was the what'd you call it, Jane? The slip and fall, slip and slide <laughs> with, with some extra lube because <laughs> you really didn't know how this was going. Uh, so, Natasha, I, I, I just find this really fascinating. Uh, what what inspired you and your team to write this manuscript? Was it your experience as a client, as a veterinarian? Uh, what, what was the inspiration behind this? Yes, thanks for that question, Lisa. There were definitely a few factors that inspired me to write this manuscript. The first being that I did examine shared decision-making during my PhD. 
And that work really focused on the veterinarian and the client. So once again, I was left with that question of what role do other veterinary team members play in that decision-making process? And leaving my PhD, I still had that desire to continue to explore and understand medical decision-making within the context of veterinary medicine. When I began my postdoctoral fellow at Colorado State University, uh, right before my current position, we were working with a practice group um, on a larger communication training intervention. And that practice group really fostered a culture within their practices that encouraged veterinary technicians to be involved in appointments and involved in client communication. So things kind of just came together and this study gave us an opportunity to incorporate veterinary technicians into our communication research and also allowed me to answer some of those unanswered questions that I had coming out of my PhD. So like Jason mentioned earlier, it's been really exciting to move the needle forward on including other veterinary team members in addition to the veterinarian into our clinical communication research. Jane or Jason, do you want to add anything to that? You know, I think right now at the time in our profession, we're in a little bit of a crisis in terms of hiring and maintaining and retaining staff. And so I think this has bigger implications for the health of the veterinary profession, um, the well-being of veterinarians and the well-being of veterinary technicians and giving veterinary technicians more advocacy, more autonomy in their positions and more support to to be well equipped to do their job well. Um, so that's where some of my passion comes from, which is how do we equip people to um, be more resilient and to thrive in this profession and to be good, to provide good client service, which is at the heart of a successful practice. And I, I really would echo what Jane just mentioned, and we've done previous work, some of it Jane and I have done together, some that we've done uh, separately where we identified that other members of the team, when they felt that individual engagement, when they had opportunities to be engaged and grow in their jobs, it really contributed to their job satisfaction, overall well-being. And so I do think that as we branch out and start to look beyond the veterinary client, that's traditionally where we've been. We've been looking at a lot of that. And we've kind of, uh, I think, being too veterinarian-centric, and we need to be more broad team-based in all of our research. And so I'm excited again about this work because it is our first step into that foray, and we hope to build on this work in terms of looking at all of those different roles, both with clients, but also with each other and how that impacts on the culture and the impacts on the team, the clients, the patients uh, that are in our care. Yeah, you know, if, if you guys hadn't said it, I was going to say the same thing about it. it's all about wellness of the whole team. You know, when I was at uh, a recent meeting and the AVMA folks, including myself, meet with many of our uh allied sponsors, allied groups, and everybody's paying attention to this more and more. It's Hills has a module, CVTEA has a module, AVMA has a module, and how do you communicate better? Because it is important for retention, but it's also important to prevent all the bullying that comes along with it. So there's there's a lot of modules that are coming along the way to really, you know, they're going to be available to everyone to help in this really critical time, as Jane said. So thank you again. And maybe human medicine can take a lesson from our podcast. <laughs> uh, Jane, you're, you're incredibly successful and have this wonderful team around you. If, if a younger you were listening, what two or three life lessons would you share with that person to try and emulate your success? 
Yeah. So this kind of ties into just what we were talking about. I think one of the greatest um, both gifts and shadows of, of being in the veterinary profession, the, the gift being um, perfectionism, which gets us through veterinary college and undergrad, right, to be able to qualify to even get to vet school and to be a veterinarian. Um, but the shadow side of being a perfectionist is the inner critic. Um, and so if I had to tell myself something years back, I would say, let go of trying to be perfect. Um, and so one of the things I really focus on with both the veterinary professionals I work with and our veterinary students is to make what I call the recovery, which is we're all human. Um, we're all make mistakes. We're never going to be perfect at communication. And so given that we're never going to be perfect, the, the key thing is to be aware in the moment and to sense when when a conversation's got off track or a partnership has gotten off track and to take a minute to slow down and stop and offer an apology, offer an acknowledgement that things just got really tense or awkward or stressful and to request, you know, to ask permission to step back and say, can we start over again? Can I um, ask for your forgiveness <laughs> and to be able to have a restart? Amen, sister. <laughs> How about you, Jason? Well, I think Jane's point about like reflective practice is so important. And I think the piece that I would add to that is really encouraging people not to be focused on what everybody else is doing. That competition can add a lot of stress and to really carve their own path for moving forward and not being afraid to be different. Because I feel like if we really focus on sort of the greater good for the profession, for our practice, for our clients and our patients, we'll find that success just follows. And so I would encourage people to kind of look for their own path, not be afraid to be different and not feel like you have to compete or do what everybody else is doing as it relates to whatever you're doing in relation to whether it be veterinary medicine or your own personal life. Yeah, very good words of advice. It almost sounds kind of yoga-ish, right? Whatever's <laughs> right for your practice. <laughs> and Natasha, what would you add? Sorry to make you go last because oftentimes it's such good words ahead of time. That's okay. I'm definitely taking notes on what Jane and Jason have said already. I think my piece of advice would be to stay curious. That has worked so well for me moving forward in life. And it helps me keep an open mind in terms of really everything by staying curious and allows you to be a lifelong learner. And I definitely want to continue being a lifelong learner. So stay curious would definitely be my advice. Yeah, you know, it's interesting about that, Natasha. I would say that 80% of my best work came from curious students. You know, and if you just listen, right, or a client, why? How do you know that? Mm -hmm. Instead of just saying, well, you know, that's well, we've been doing it that way. Like, then just go back and take a second and say, huh, I'm not sure how we know that or why we do that. So good words from everybody. Listening to all this is so amazing. It would have helped me during my rotating internship tremendously, especially because we were the COVID class of interns. We were right in the peak of the pandemic where you never met anyone face-to-face. -face. I never had a single client interaction that was in the same room as me. It was all over the phone, which is crazy in like an emergency setting. So this would have been very, very helpful and I will use it going forward. <laughs> so Natasha, your study is a multi-practice cross-sectional study. Can you share how you chose this study design and how it was executed? Yes. Thanks, Sarah. This study design was actually based on a post hoc analysis of the larger communication intervention training that I mentioned previously. And that was involving the four practices that we 
looked at in this study to examine shared decision-making. Um, so with that larger study, we collected surveys and video recordings during the three-month period before and after the communication intervention. So what we did is we took a cross-section of that data for this study to examine communication, um, specifically shared decision-making, with participants who had not yet been involved in the communication intervention. And the idea behind that was to increase the external validity of our current findings looking at shared decision-making. Um, in terms of how the study was carried out, once we had that data set, we were very fortunate to receive funding from the Ontario Veterinary College to hire a summer research student, Sarah Lokaising. And Sarah was the primary coder on this work. So she trained with me to learn how to code each appointment using the Observer Option 5 instrument. And that's a tool that was developed in human medicine to allow an observer to assess um, the ability of a healthcare provider to engage their patient, or in our case, a client, in a shared decision. So as we coded those interactions, we also tracked who was communicating during each decision that got coded. And that enabled us to compare the shared decision-making scores based on who was involved in that interaction. That's great. And it's so nice to get students involved too and kind of foster their passion for research, right? Because then hopefully they'll end up in maybe your shoes someday, which is fantastic. So thank you so much for sharing that. Jane, what is the clinical take-home message from your work that you'd like veterinarians to know? In other words, if a veterinarian was going into an exam room right this minute to talk to a client that may be perceived as difficult, what should they know to help them? Yeah. So I think the take-home from this work is delegate and partner with your veterinary technician. Because when the team worked together, when the veterinarian and the veterinary technician worked together to support the education and decision-making process of that client, we got better outcomes. Um, the client felt more involved in their pet's care, and that leads to greater adherence to recommendations and then improved patient health. And so it, it has a, it has, um, what was I gonna say, like a domino effect. <laughs> Um, to all the key stakeholders in this interaction. And so this brings us back to the conversation about enhancing advocacy and autonomy for our veterinary technicians and equipping them with the critical communication skills for success in their roles. Um, to, and then their, empowering them then adds to the partnership with all the rest of the team members in the practice. Really amazing work. Thank you all again, really, and appreciate your time you've taken today to um, help our listeners even more with the podcast. As we wind up a little bit, we like to ask something a little more personal and hopefully a little funnier. <laughs> uh, so we'll start with you, Jason. And if you have a prompt, you can show it to the video camera. What is the most interesting or the oldest item in your desk drawer? So that's an interesting question. And I'll start off by just talking about my desk in general. So the desk that I have is my great grandfather's. And it was, it's my home office desk as of right now. And it got pulled out of the garage during the pandemic. So it in itself has a lot of history, needs some work in putting it sort of the pieces back together. When I opened the drawer though, um, I mean, I don't know, all of it looks relatively not that ancient, but what I find to be unique maybe is that I have a box of Oreos in my desk. And that really highlights sort of that other role I have in addition to my professional role, which is my personal role with three young kids. 
And so being my home office, these Oreos become a resource where when the kids come in to ask me a question in a meeting like this, I can hand them a couple of Oreos to satisfy them and then I'll let them go <laughs> off, find something else to keep themselves busy. So a little trick maybe to add to our podcast. That's awesome. Oftentimes Sarah's cat walks across the screen. So Sarah, maybe you need like a treat to throw on the floor, <laughs> something for the cat to jump off and get to. Just thinking that. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. <laughs> Jane, how about you? I'm really dating myself here. Very old school, but an old school calculator. Um, I think I inherited this when I inherited my original office, which has moved and the calculator came with and is still in the same drawer. And honestly, I still pull it out and use it on occasion when you just need to do some simple math. It doesn't do anything complicated, but you know, just some simple, just checking the numbers, I, I can use that. I love it. I have the exact same one and I got it the exact same way. And it's no TI-90, but it does, it does <laughs> math when you're just like, why am I struggling with this simple yes. math? <laughs> so, uh, and the big buttons are helpful too when you don't yeah. have your reading glasses on. <laughs> so I appreciate that. How about you, Natasha? Yes, I can't say that anything in my desk is too old. Um, yet, I'll, I'll go with most interesting. So my most interesting item in my desk is probably my personal wheel of life. And if you're not familiar with the wheel of life, it's an assessment tool that allows you to evaluate your well-being in different aspects of your life. So this one looks at your physical well-being, financial, intellectual, emotional, social, and spiritual. And it's a really good reminder, especially while I'm working to take a step back and evaluate all aspects of my life and how I can contribute uh, to living a more balanced life. I like that. It's a really good feel-good finale, actually, to the podcast. So thanks for sharing. I feel like I need one of those, too, for my daily life, honestly. Okay, well, thank you all so much again. We just really appreciate you taking the time out of your day, like Lisa said, to come join us and share this information with our listeners, too. Hopefully, it will help them in their daily communication as well. To our listeners, you can read their manuscript in JAPMA on our journal's website. I'm Dr. Sarah Wright with Dr. Lisa Fortier. We want to thank each of you for joining us on this episode of the Veterinary Vertex podcast. We love sharing cutting-edge veterinary research with you, and we want to hear from you. Be sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen to. Until next time, take care, and we'll see you soon.